most of you are like, I live with that person. <laughs> What's up, everybody? How everybody? Everybody doing all right today? Ready for church? Come on now. Good to see you. Uh, good to be in church. Uh, we do have a men's event coming up. You should have had one of these in a seat near you. Uh, men, uh, if you have somebody, another man that isn't connected to uh, church or in community, uh, invite them to come to this. It's going to be a really good time together. We're going to have food. Uh, and Michael Jr., he's going to be there. He's on staff at Gateway Church down in Dallas, uh, a close friend uh, church of ours, and he's a friend of Pastor Rick. He's going to be coming. He's hilarious. It's going to be really, really good, but he's also, he can get his preach on too. Uh, it's going to be really, really good. And as usual, we will have some sort of campus pastor competition. My understanding is, and Pastor Harry Bates, you can email him and say, nasty things to him if you want, but um, uh, he always decides on the competition we're doing, uh, which means he usually is cheating by preparing himself beforehand, way before we even know, Uh, but he decided that this year we're doing sumo wrestling in the sumo suits, so that is the competition, so I intend to dominate. Um, Anyway, it's going to be good, so man, next Tuesday night, the 8th, Show up for that. How's reading going for you guys? I want to ask you a question. Let's be honest, though. Let's be honest. How many of you have read more in the Bible in 2016 than you ever have before? How many have done that before? Come on now. Come on now. All right. Uh, how many of you have missed a few days, gotten behind a little bit every once in a while? Come on. Don't lie in church. God will kill you. Uh, okay. All right. I'm glad we're being honest. Uh, man, it's been good. I would encourage you uh, to get in the Word. Every day, it's kind of like you get to take a vacation away from the chaos when you get to get into his word. Uh, but we, we've been in Leviticus. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I've been interceding for everybody that made the decision to read out loud with your kids this last week in Leviticus because there was some fun stuff in there. And uh, so anyway, I, I, don't, I probably shouldn't say this, but I think it's safe to say that all of us would agree we could go the rest of our life and never read the word discharge ever again. Okay, I'm just, we're just going to leave that there. I know, I probably shouldn't have said it, but you know it's true. It's just, oh, thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. Uh, I did encourage you, though, when we first got into this series, that even when we got into the laws and we got into Leviticus and all that, to look for Jesus in those scriptures. But if you look close enough, you're going to see how he was working, how he was moving. And this week, man, it was resonating inside me because we just got done reading through all this stuff where it was like, if you do this, you're unclean. You do this, you're unclean. You do this, you're unclean. There's just like list upon list upon list upon list. And here's the deal. When they were unclean, they couldn't even get close enough to the temple to give a sacrifice to get their sins forgiven. They had to deal with being unclean before they could even go and get forgiven for their sin. What I love about Jesus is within his ministry, we're going to talk about it today, he didn't care if you were unclean. In fact, there were unclean people coming up to him all the time, and he would, he would let them come, and he would, he would let them touch him, and they would let, he would let them talk to him and, and have communion with him. I'm just so thankful, so thankful that we can come to Jesus unclean, and he forgives us. You can come to Jesus just as messed up and jacked up as you can possibly be and you can find forgiveness and he'll also make you clean. He'll also change your life. He'll also transform you. So I'm thankful for that with Jesus. Today, we're gonna be looking at Mark chapter six. Now, I know this is backtrack and we read this on Tuesday and typically within the series, we've been talking about an upcoming chapter, but but I wanna backtrack for a couple reasons. One, 
we're getting ready to, in a couple chapters, read about almost the identical type of miracle, okay? Uh, when we read about the feeding of the 4,000. Today we're reading about the feeding of the 5,000. We'll get into what that number actually means. But we wanna t- I want to look at this because I think within this, um, it's just been heavy on my heart looking at our culture, looking at what's happening right now, political climate and otherwise. I'm just noticing that people are getting really nasty and really mean with each other. Uh, and, and including believers, including Christians. And, uh, and, and, and this isn't me standing here saying that I haven't been the same way at different points because I have, but I think the word helps, us, helps to remind us of the proper ways to respond to the people that are difficult in our lives. The people that are around us we may not agree with, the people that are unclean, the people that are, are, are messed up, that are, are, that are in sin, that are, that are ungodly, whoever it is. I think the word helps us understand how to deal with those people. So later in chapter 6, in verse 42, they're actually coming to the end of this huge day of ministry, this huge day. And this is how it ends in chapter 6, verse 42. They all ate and were satisfied. Everybody say satisfied. I don't know about you, but that's a good place to be. I meet a lot of people, man, they just have a hard time getting to that place where they're content and satisfied in life. And what it really means to find that. Um, because usually it's not found in all the things that we think that we're going to find. And it says that they were satisfied and they picked up 12 full baskets of the broken pieces. Now, I could have just named this whole talk broken pieces uh, because I love that, that picture. You know, how many of you, God came into your life and picked up the broken pieces and gathered you back up? And I, I think it's important that, that we face people every single day that that's exactly where they're at. Man, their life is in broken pieces. And really the whole subject of today is it's going to be talking about the compassion that Jesus has. And that because of what he did on the cross, it's also the compassion that we can have and, and ultimately we should have. Because of what he did for us, it should produce the same type of fruit in us and through us and, and to the people that are around us. This day, this this day of ministry was one of the most busy, packed days of ministry in Jesus' entire time ministering. At one point or another, if you ever get a chance to go to a presidential library, one of the things they always have on display is their daily schedule. Now, I know a lot of you, you're busy. I can be pretty busy too. Some of you are way more busy than I am, but, but I can pretty much guarantee you that none of us are as busy as a day in the life of a president. Because basically from the, from the moment they wake up to the very end of the day, they're in one meeting, one appointment after the other. But here's the thing, it's always pointed towards purpose. It's always meaningful. It's always driving out a bigger picture. Well, I think about that and then I think about the context of three years of ministry within Jesus' life. Imagine how much purpose was in each one of his days and how important every moment and every minute was as he, has, as he knows his time and fulfilling everything that his Father in heaven has asked him to do in three years. Well, this is what this day looks like. And over the course of this day, man, Jesus, he goes through a whole gamut of different emotions and different things going on. I mean, he weeps, he runs, he shouts, he even curses. Not the way a lot of you curse, but he does curse. And, and he, he, he praises. And, and I would say, other than the day of his crucifixion, this may be the most intense day that he experiences while he's here on earth. It's a very emotional day, but the thing is, it wasn't emotional for the same reasons why a lot of us have emotional days, because a lot of times when we have emotional days, it's about kind of what's not going right for us. 
the things that we don't really care for, the things that people are doing to us. But, but in Jesus' case, when he would have an emotional day, it's all because he's taking on the pain and the hurt and the feelings and the emotions of the people that he's around. And he's been doing that all day long in this passage of scripture. So I want to go to verse 33. So we're going to backtrack a little bit. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from the towns to get there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. One of the things that I know without a doubt in my own life is I will never fulfill what God has asked me to do if I can't taste, see, and experience what the compassion of Jesus Christ looks like. Because within this context, understand, he is ministering all day long up to this point. And, and what it's actually mentioning is it's, it's actually talking about he was planning on kind of getting away for a little bit with his disciples. We'll talk about that in a second. But as soon as he tries to get away for a second, he steps off a boat and here's another crowd. And the thing is, he would have been totally justified at that point to be like, hey, everybody, you know, we'll pick things up tomorrow maybe, but we, we've we got to take a break. It wasn't that at all. It's like, all right, change of plans, disciples. We're going to love these people. We're going to meet them where they're at. And we're going to take care of them. I find that we live in a day and age where people's lives are in shambles. And it would be very easy within our own schedule, with our own plan, with the things that are so important around our lives, that we could see crowds every day and walk right past them and miss the compassion of Jesus Christ. A lot of you might have seen this video. It was on social media this last week on Facebook, but it's a video of American Idol. Uh, the original winner of American Isles, uh, Kelly Clarkson. And, and so this is their last season. And, and we as a church, we kind of got addicted to the show a while back because one of our worship leaders, Chris Allen, wound up winning the competition. And then we're all like, then they changed the voting so we couldn't cheat anymore. And, and, uh, but uh, <laughs> it was awesome, man. I remember sending like 17,000 votes off my phone. Um, anyway, but uh, so we, we watched that. It's a pretty good show. You know, it's, it's great to see people with talent and all that. But they, got, they had her come back on the show to sing this song. And, um, and, I'll, and I'm just going to kind of just set it up a little bit without taking too much away. She gets very emotional in this song, okay? Now, it's a powerful song. And, and I would say that she's probably mostly emotional because of the song itself. I also think it's important to mention that she's pregnant. <laughs> Has anybody ever met an emotional pregnant lady? I'm, I'm raising my hand carefully because uh, I, I don't want anybody to throw anything at me. <laughs> but... Uh, but that, that can happen too. But she wrote this song actually when she was pregnant with her daughter. She's now pregnant with her son, okay? But so this was written a little while back. Um, but I think it speaks a lot to the culture that we're in and to, to the brokenness that people are experiencing. Let's watch this together. And all I remember is your back. Walking towards the airport, leaving us all in your past. I traveled 1,500 miles to see you. I begged you to want me, but you didn't want to. 
the deal. <laughs> we could watch YouTube videos all day long and cry. And we'd have a woman's conference. <laughs> you know it's true. Come on now. And I'm not and I'm not trying I'm not trying like, man, how could I get them crying this Sunday, man? That's not the point. But the point is this, there's definitely some hurt in there. There's some real pain in there. And she has a platform to use a gift to, to talk about it, but there's a lot of people, they don't, they just have it. So maybe as Christians, we'd want to be like, man, it just, it, it, watching it, it certainly is like, man, there's compassion. Whew. It's like, yeah, there's emotion. And, and, and hopefully we'd even want to be like, oh, I'm so glad that God brought you him, but I just want you to know Jesus is the man that really does it. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one that really picks up the pieces. He's the one that does that. We'd want to have that for her, Right? But what about the dad? 
What about compassion for him? Well, that's a little harder, right? It's hard to have the compassion for the dad that didn't pay the child support. Or or the mom that met somebody on Facebook and left. Maybe the the person that, that had the abortion and just can't shake it. Or that teenager just made a huge mistake Friday night. See, the thing is, when it comes to the compassion of Jesus, it's, it's not conditional. Based on someone he liked and didn't like, and somebody made him mad, he was, he was equally compassionate to everybody. He, he, he's, he's in this place where he's ministering to a huge crowd of people, and there are people that are coming, and they are unclean, really unclean. Thousands of them, carrying sick, babies crying all over the place. Thousands of people. And, and, and just before this, he was planning, he, he, he talked to his disciples about getting away, and finding seclusion. So I think he knew what was coming, but they'd already kind of like, yeah, that sounds good. We need to go just take a break for a little bit. And this is what it says right before this in verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. They'd been ministering their tail ends off. Then because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. We said to them, hey, come, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Now, is this like a tease? Because Jesus knows that crowd's going to be there, right? So why would he say, let's, let's go Nice solitary place. Take a little vacay. Get away. Just kidding. Ha! <laughs> no. I think it's because of this. He's, he's giving us the key to true rest. He's giving us the key to true peace. It's in loving people. It's in being compassionate to people. Even the ones we don't like. and We don't agree with. I think that's where you find that peace and that rest. Somehow Jesus, he's so exhausted, but he, he has this relaxed intensity about him where he's able to walk through these situations just kind of unshaken. And, and the people, man, they're so desperate to hear from him. It says that they ran from all the towns around. They're like, okay, they just, they just shove off on that side of the lake. Spread the word. If we run fast enough, we'll get to where they're going before they even get there. And that's what happened. These people were desperate to hear him. Let's just be honest. You might like my preaching a little bit, but nobody's going to get up on Sunday morning to run here to hear me, okay? <laughs> this is probably just not going to happen. I mean, truth is, in a couple of months, if the AC is not working just like we would like it to, y'all probably just going to get up and leave right in the middle of the service like... He's an okay preacher, but man, 75 degrees is just ridiculous, okay? I can't handle that. (laughs) Or spoil rotten brats. (laughs) Jesus sees these everyday needs, and I think that there's some things that he shows us. First of all, Jesus gives compassion. Jesus gives compassion. I love just comparing. I mean, how Jesus is at this point compared to the Old Testament we're talking about with the law. Leviticus, it's like, look. I know a lot of you, and if you were living under the law, Old Testament, 
you, you wouldn't be touching nobody, going nowhere, doing nothing. You'd just be unclean, 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 unclean. I mean, you couldn't even get, you couldn't get five miles away from the temple. You just have to stay outside the camp the whole time. Because under the law, that's how it is for us. But Jesus is just like, come on. He's compassionate. I think a lot of times we don't come close to God because we feel like we're inconveniencing him somehow. Like we're frustrating to him. I know I get that way sometimes. It's like, ah, I know you're kind of busy. Got a lot going on. Been watching the news. It's getting kind of ugly. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if I want to bother you with this thing again that I've already brought to you 7,000 times. And I think we get to that place and so we just think, man, I just don't want to inconvenience God. God is never going to be inconvenienced by you. I mean, sometimes it's hard being around my kids, but I don't ever want to be in a place just like, well, here we go again. Got to talk to them. It's like every day they eat. And wear clothes most days. That's just not the way he is. In Psalm 50, 15, it says, And call upon me in your day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. See, Jesus is nothing like our selfishness when it comes to how we have compassion for others and, and even how we have compassion and grace for ourselves. He, he, just not, he doesn't live that way. He certainly doesn't. He doesn't live the way religious people live. Certainly not the way the religious leaders were at this time because the scripture says that they were like sheep without a shepherd, but they had spiritual leaders. So what is that all about? Well, there's a big difference between a preacher and a shepherd. Last year, Pastor Rick got to go to Israel. And while he was there, he saw a herd of sheep and there was a man who had a big staff and was behind him and was like prodding them, hitting him. And he said, oh, there's a, there's a shepherd. And the man was helping lead the tree. He said, oh, no, that's not a shepherd. That's not a shepherd. That's the butcher. The butcher has to drive them. The shepherd leads them. In fact, a lot of times the shepherds that they have, they have this, this bag and they have some fruit, some apples and different things in it. And every once in a while they, they reach in and they grab the apple and they just kind of hold it behind them. And whatever sheep was the closest was the one that got the apple. And that's how they train the sheep that as long as you follow, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you good things. I'm going to feed you. But it, but it was never something that they had to force. It was never something that they had to make happen. And some of you in your life, you've had spiritual leaders that they drove you. And in some cases, they literally drove you to a spiritual death. Or you're just like, man, I'm never going to be good enough. Those preachers where it's like they love getting to that point in the message where they get to stick the knife in and twist it a little bit just to make you feel like a total loser that you're just going to always be a failure and probably the only way you're even going to be close to ever getting good enough is you got to come back and keep listening to them over and over again. That's not the heart of God. That might be a preacher, but that's not a pastor. Jesus is the ultimate pastor and shepherd. He's leading. He wants us to be close enough to him that we get what is good from him. We want to follow him. 
Verse 35, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. I love his attitude. The disciples are thinking, man, this meeting is getting so long. And we haven't eaten. And they make it sound like they care about the people. Oh, send these dear people away because they're famished. The local Euro place is going to close down. And then what are they going to eat? But they're not thinking about the people. They're thinking about themselves. They're thinking about, man, haven't we done enough? Haven't we ministered enough? And so he's trying to send them away. The disciples are trying to get rid of the people. Look, you will always try to get rid of people when you don't have the heart of Christ. You'll always be in a place where you're trying to get them to leave when you don't have the heart of Christ. Instead of being willing to draw them close to you. And I think a lot of Christians, we think the same way. It's like, man, it's just it's too much. It costs too much. It's too difficult. It's too hard. But the compassion of Christ is never distracted by what makes sense, by what is logical and what is reasonable. It's always driven by a supernatural God who steps outside of those things. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and spend 200 denarii? Not denalis. Uh, denarii on bread and give them something to eat, this would be about $30,000 in that, in that market. It's almost like sarcastic. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> what are we gonna do? Just like spend a fortune trying to feed these people? That's not, you can't do that. It's not gonna work. Which shows us something else about Jesus when it comes to, to loving on people. And that is that Jesus knows your limit. He knows your limit without him. He's aware before you even started He knows where you're limited. He likes it when you're limited. The thing is, we're all going to feel insecure when God asks us to do something. Because if God's asking you to do something, it's going to be a God-sized vision. It's going to be a God-sized dream. And you'll know that it is that when you're like, there's no way, God. I can't. If you're pursuing anything right now that you can kind of get done on your own with your own ability, it's not a God-sized dream. I'm not saying it's not in God's will, but I would pray about it. Because usually when God asks us to do something, it's going to intimidate us a little bit. And I'm going to tell you this, I would be insecure if you're going to try to do something without God. You should be insecure. But God wants us to be in a place where where we know if he's with us and we can do anything. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you are challenged to help, never measure according to your own abilities. Don't measure according to whether you can do it or not. You got to get to a place where you're trusting God. Because if you forget and you leave Jesus out, you're going to try to cast off the responsibility to someone else, to something else to get it done. Verse 36, send them away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Send them. They need to take care of themselves. Somebody else will do this. Somebody else is going to take care of them. But why couldn't the answer be Jesus? You do something. Because you're like God. And you've done a lot of miracles. So 
what do you want to do? Instead of, don't be ridiculous, Jesus. (laughs) Who's ridiculous? I can get in this place sometimes too, though. Jesus loves impossible situations. He loves them. Philip replied, it would take a small fortune to feed him. What's the situation you're in right now where you feel that way? It's like, oh, this is just, it's just going to cost way too much to get this done. Every time you face terrible odds, it's a test. But God never tests you to grade you. He always tests you to grow you. And anytime you're going through something, it just means that there's some undeveloped faith that he's trying to stretch inside of you if you let him. But you're going to have to go to a place where you realize, okay, if I go based on my own ability, you're right, I don't measure up. But if I can bring it to God and if I can bring it to the body of Christ, I've got a chance. There's an engineering school that gave this, this problem and basically gave to the students, hey, how long would you need to cook a three-pound roast at 375 degrees for the center of it to reach 150 degrees. So each student approached it a different way. One student just started experimenting, just like, I'm just going to start cooking them and find out which one it is. And then another one used their credit card, went out, bought a new oven, bought a roast, bought a, bought a thermometer so they could figure out how to do all that, okay? And another student sat down and started writing down all these mathematical equations, like, oh, okay, I'm just, I think I'm smart enough. I can do all this. I'm just going to figure this out. One of the students got it done in three minutes, figured it out. You know what he did? He called his mama. Because <laughs> here's the deal. Some of the problems that are in your life, you're not going to be able to solve rationally or logically. You're going to have to solve them relationally. And it's when you get to the place where you say, God, I don't have enough and I don't measure up, and you can bring that before him and bring it before the body of Christ and you bring it before your life group, you're going to have an opportunity to see his power made perfect in your weakness because that's what he promises he'll do if you'll bring yourself to that place. Another thing, Jesus can make a miracle out of a little. How many loaves do you have? Go look. And Andrew Simon Peter's brother spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. If he would have just stopped there, he could have been the hero of the faith in this story. Look what we found. Do something. But he didn't stop there. But what good is that to a huge crowd? We live in such a negative culture. Have you noticed that? There's not a lot of glass half full people anymore. I mean, like even when we give directions, hey, how do I get to that store over there? Well, you're going to go through one red light. Uh, and then you come around a corner and you're going through another red light and then you're going to come to another red light and another red light. Why can't they be green lights? <laughs> Got a 30% chance of rain tomorrow or a 70% chance of sunshine. <laughs> but we don't operate that way. I know I don't most of the time. I'm not thinking about it that way. And that's where these guys are, what good is that? When they could have said, look, five loaves, two fish, do your thing, Jesus. Boom. <laughs> but they were doubting and they were negative. What I don't like about this is it reminds me a little bit about myself. You know, there's times when I'll make these huge faith statements like, God can do anything if he really wants to. I don't know why all of you do that. I don't know why I do it. 
because I want to give myself an out. I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to believe that he can just do it. If it's his will. But I think leading the way God would want us to leave is just lead is just walking in faith. And it's just trusting him. No matter what. These guys, they're, both Philip and Andrew, they're, they're dealing with their faith being weak in different ways. One saying it just costs too much. The other one saying we just have too little. There's been times when, when I've felt that way before. I mean, building a new building, it's, it's a little intimidating. It's easy to say, man, it's just really expensive. Like, I wish we were going to be able to raise all this money. But God knows what you have. He knows what he can do. I mean, I'm sure initially the disciples, like this kid comes up and they're like, okay, kid. Like Peter, he's a loud mouth. He's like, thanks a lot, you naive little brat. Five loaves, two fish. I mean, what, what are we going to do with that? But we all know he was like the smartest kid that ever lived. Because years down the road, he's going to be able to tell that story to his kids. Yeah, one day I had a Lunchable. And there were like thousands of people. And even the disciples, they were questioning. They didn't even believe Jesus could do it. And I was just like, I got, I got some food. Multiply. Take it, Jesus. God's looking for people that will take whatever little they have and trust him with it. Let me tell you a story. Maybe you feel intimidated. Maybe there's some area of your life where you just feel like you have too little. But you can't make a difference. Check this out. There's an old Sunday school teacher. And uh, he was really intimidated to actually teach Sunday school. He didn't want to do it at all. His name was Edward Kimball. And eventually he stepped up and he started teaching the Sunday school class. And while he's teaching the Sunday school class, this young man got saved. His name was Dwight L. Moody. And Dwight L. Moody, he wound up coming to the United States. He started preaching in front of crowds of up to 30,000 people. Major evangelists leading people to the Lord. Eventually, he led this man named Chapman to Christ, Wilbur Chapman. And at one point, he was preaching on the corner and led a professional baseball player to the Lord. This professional baseball player, his name was Billy Sunday. Well, on a Sunday morning, Billy Sunday started preaching, and a a guy named Mordecai Ham was saved. Got saved and became an evangelist. And one day he went to one of his friends. His friend's name was Billy Graham. And he led him to the Lord. Just curious, how many of you were impacted, maybe even gave your life to the Lord at a Billy Graham crusade at one point or another? Raise raise them up high, raise them up high. Just want to see, we usually have at least a couple hands in every service. So basically, because this Sunday school teacher took what he thought was very little, but he was faithful with it, It impacted 170 years, the body of Christ in our nation. Because he was just faithful with the small thing he had. I think we get trapped in this place where we have this sentence that we use a lot. When I get more blank, then I'll go and do blank. I think we, we have that. When I have more time, then I'll go and do ministry. When I have a little more confidence, I'll go and lead. When I have a little more money, then I'll give the way I'd like to give. When I have a little more of this, a little bit more of that, and, and I think Jesus is saying, hey, just give me what you have. Just give me what you have. Trust me with it. 39. 
tell everyone to sit down, Jesus ordered. So they, all of them, the men, alone, alone in number, 5,000, sat down on the grassy slopes. Okay, so this is probably 15 to 20,000 people. They counted by counting the men. Doesn't include the women, the children. Probably 15 to 20,000 people. Uh, Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, passed them out to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate until they were full. I love how God can take your little and fill people. Fill people up. The last thing is this, Jesus will leave you with enough to carry on. It says when they came to the inn, okay, they started gathering up all the extra pieces and they started filling baskets. How many baskets did they fill? Twelve. That is not a coincidence. There's 12 baskets, 12 disciples. Why? What's the lesson in that? The lesson in that is Jesus wanted these disciples to carry that miracle with them for a while. Because you know, if you're walking around these big old baskets, hey, what y'all got there? Got some bread? Oh, where'd where'd you get all that extra bread? Well, let let me tell you a story. See, I had a whole lot of faith that Jesus could do anything. (laughs) I got these five loaves and two fish. He multiplied them. I'm guilty of this. There's so many times when Jesus is doing miraculous things in my life and I just don't carry them with me long enough. There's some people around me that need to hear those things, be encouraged by those things, be challenged by those things, be convicted by those things. God has done some incredible things in every one of your lives. And I think maybe sometimes we just don't carry them long enough with us so that people can hear about them and see them. What about your daily bread? So we're in the year of the Bible. When you're reading the scripture every day, carry it with you. Maybe live Leviticus at home, but carry some of the rest of it with you. Carry it with you. It might make an impact in people's lives. It might give you an opportunity to extend the compassion of Jesus Christ by the testimony of what he did for you. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. We'll pray for you. just want to give an opportunity, first of all, for anyone who, who's never responded to the compassion of Jesus Christ. Um, what I mean by that is we're all lost we're sinners. We're unclean. Jesus is a perfect sacrifice and died on the cross. He died on the cross and, it, and the word says that if we will make him the Lord of our life, if we'll give him control, and live for him, then he'll save us from our sin. He'll save us from ourselves and we'll experience true compassion. And maybe you've just never experienced that or maybe you did at one point, but you just got off track and it's easy to drift. It's so easy to drift. There's so many distractions, but today you realize, man, I need to put Jesus back in charge of my life, back on the throne of my heart and you need to rededicate your life. If you're either one of those people, I just want to pray with you right now. If that's you, be bold enough to just confess that. I'm not going to point you out or embarrass you, but if you'll just slip your hand up and as soon as I see you, put it down. I want to pray with you this morning. Anybody in this room, I need to just confess Jesus as my Savior. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as I see you, put it down. I don't want to miss anybody. Fear four hands. Anybody else? Come on, don't fight. Don't resist this. This is not a good time for pride to get in the way. If you know God's speaking to you, just slip your hand up so I can pray with you. You, you slipping your hand up is going to allow you to experience his grace. Got it, got it. Just that, just that physical act of that's me. That's me. I'm, I'm weak. I need a savior. Anybody else? 
Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Praise God. Okay, I just want to pray for those. We got, I don't know, seven or eight people raise their hand. If you, if you raise your hand right there, you can make a private decision right there in your seat to follow Jesus. The word says, though, you need to go public with it at some point. It says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and then you can be saved. And the best way to go public with that decision is water baptism. We've got one coming up in a couple weeks. It'll be a great time for you to do that. But right there in your seat, just have an honest conversation with God. Just say something like this, Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm, and because of my sin, I, I'm separated from you. But I, I just believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sin. And he rose from the grave. And, and, and I ask for your forgiveness. And I ask that you would come and be the Lord of my life. I want you to have control. And I want to learn what it means to, to live for you. But I also thank you that, that in that you, you saved me. You saved me from my sin. You saved me from an eternity separated from you. And, and I thank you that I'm going to learn and grow in what compassion and love really means. Help me to know that, Lord. Help me to know the plan for your life through your word, through the leading of your spirit and the encouragement of the body of Christ. That's what I want. I want to be the man or the woman that you've called me to be and be a follower of you. Be my Lord and Savior. Be my best friend. Father, I just pray that all of us, uh, we wouldn't get callous. We wouldn't get cold. We wouldn't get so wrapped up in our day-to-day that we forget to lift up our eyes, to see the harvest, to see the crowds. Lord, it's easy for us to love the people that that we hurt for or that we feel for, but I pray that we would be broken just as much and love just as much the people that are so hard to love because that's what you did, Jesus. We thank you that if we'll do that, we will be your hands and feet. We can be Jesus to people. And when we're trusting you with that, you're also gonna move in a supernatural way. We thank you for that. To you be the glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand for his word. Praise God. Got eight people, get right with Jesus. Come on, let's praise him. Let's all stand together, if you will. We're gonna worship God with our tithes and offerings. I I don't know that there's really another verse that I'd need to communicate because it's very clear. The fact of the matter is, if you take whatever little bit that you have and you put it in the hands of a capable God, He can use it. He'll bless. What I'm so thankful for is that we have people in our church that they're being obedient with their tithes. If the Spirit leads them to give more, they're giving more. Everyone that's giving towards the building and being obedient and and steadfast with that, God is taking however little or however much you have and He is blessing it and He's multiplying it and He's helping us partner with the body of Christ to make a difference in our city and community. It's worth it, amen? It's worth the harvest. It's worth souls. Let's just keep trusting God with whatever we have. Let's put it in his hands and watch him do something awesome with it. Amen. Let's pray over our giving. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to give to you this morning. Bless it. Use it for your kingdom. Help us to reach lost. Help us to reach the unclean. Help us to reach the people that are far from you. Help us to reach the people that are down and out, bound up in sin and addiction. Those people that put on a facade and on a mask and won't admit it. Whoever it is, Lord, from the the poorest of the poor to the most influential.